Well, what is going on, Motion City Church? Good to see everybody this morning. Uh, today, we are continuing in week two of our three-part message series called Fear Not. And if you missed last week, what we're doing is we're looking at three different versions of the story of the birth of Jesus. And in each of these gospel stories, we see an angel appear to different people. And the first thing that the angel always says is, help me out, what does it say on the screen? The angel says, fear not. Now, last week, we looked at the angel who appeared to Mary, and we let the story help us overcome our fear of what God is asking us to do, those specific things that God puts in our hearts, puts in our path to do. Next week, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the angel when the angels appeared to shepherds, saying, Fear not, for today a Savior has been born to you in the town of Bethlehem. And today, if you have your Bibles or you have your Bible app on your phone or however you read the scriptures, uh, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 1, and we're going to see the angel appear to Joseph and talk about how you and I and Joseph can overcome our fear of what people think about us. Now let's uh, just get a little participation going on this morning, get our brains and our bodies moving. Uh, how many of you would say that you often care a lot about what other people think about you? Uh, anybody? Raise your hand. My hand's up. Uh, just me? Nope. Other people's hands are up. All right. Raise your hands up high. Now just look around at all the people uh, who don't have their hands up in the air. Just you can point to them and say, uh, your hand's not up because pr you probably care way too much about what I think of you. That's probably why their hands are uh, not up. I I'm, I'm just teasing. Uh, but the reality is that on one level or another, all of us are very concerned with what other people think about us. And we, it's so easy, man, to become obsessed with what other people think about us. It happens so often in such a social media driven world, man. How many likes can I get on this picture? How many retweets can I get on this, on this tweet and all these different things. And it's so easy to become obsessed with what other people think about us, isn't it? I mean, it's crazy. And in this week's story, we're going to watch Joseph battle with the opinions of other people. And he has to decide between doing what's easy and what's right, between what people want him to do and between what God wants him to do. And so let me give you just a little context and then we are going to dive uh, right in. Now, last week we talked about Joseph and Mary. They are engaged. Uh, Joseph's engaged to Mary, a young teenage virgin girl. Now, in this time in history, just to give you a quick little bit of context, engagements were a lot different than they are today. Today, if you're engaged and things happen to get weird or things go south, uh, you can just break off the engagement. Um, you can give back the ring. You can just kind of go your separate ways. But in this time period, an engagement was actually a legally binding contract. You would be engaged for a year's period of time. And in that time, if you wanted to break off the engagement, you actually had to file legally for divorce. So the only way to get out of an engagement during this time would be to get divorced or one of you would have to die. And the engagement was so serious that if one of the two people died, the other one would be considered a widow or a widower. So this is what engagement means during the time of Mary and Joseph. Now with that in mind, let's keep that in the forefront of our minds. Let's pick up the story in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse 18. And this is Matthew's version of how the birth of Christ came to be. And, and Matthew says this, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, everybody knows came 
together. Yeah, okay. Uh, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, you can just read this, but if you try to get into the minds of Joseph and Mary, you have to admit that it had to be a pretty odd conversation uh, between Mary and Joseph. Uh, Mary thinking, how am I going to explain uh, this uh, baby, this pregnancy to my uh, fiance? And then because we haven't come together, obviously, I mean, I can't even imagine what's going on in Mary's mind as she's trying to figure out a way to tell Joseph the truth and, and and, and, and just thinking about how Joseph would be responding. Now, if I'm Joseph, I'm, I'm kind of like, man, how long did it take you to come up with this story? I mean, because in, in, in a practical mentality, this story is absolutely insane. From a human perspective, um, Joseph really has two options. He has his two options. And if you factor in, uh, factor out, actually, sorry, the possibility that God actually did this, uh, Joseph has two options. Uh, his first option is this chick is crazy or she's a liar. And I don't want to be married to someone who's crazy or a liar. She says, I'm pregnant. The Holy Ghost did it. And so you have to acknowledge at some point, Joseph is going to be asking himself, okay, do I stay with this girl? Or uh, do we break up? Do I stay with her or do I break? What are other people going to think about her? And uh, what are the people going to think about us? What are people going to think about me? Because from Mary's perspective, man, she's marked, okay? she uh, This is a sin beyond sin during this time. To be pregnant out of wedlock, this was punishable uh, by death. And, and, and they would stone women for this. From this from his perspective, then he's marked for the rest of his life. If he's the guy that got her pregnant or she got pregnant from somebody else, then from this point on, he's going to find it really hard to find a job. Um, if he divorces her, then at, at, at that point, no other father is going to want to bless uh, his daughter to be married to him. It, he might find it difficult to find people to do business with him because his, your character meant everything. I mean, Everyone's going to know what's going on in this guy's life. And so we know for sure uh, from the text, uh, maybe not the state of his mind, but from the text, we know that Joseph is about to bail out on this relationship. He's done. Either he doesn't believe her or he doesn't want to take the heat or whatever, but he thinks about it and he comes to the conclusion, okay, I think it's best to move on down the road. Verse 19, we see how this unfolds uh, starting in verse 19, but because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to, uh, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph, he's out of it. He's jumping out of the relationship. He's, he's, he's cutting ties and, and he's running. Now, as I was studying for this message that I was looking at, um, man, just a lot of different cultural contexts, just a lot of situations, uh, around this, um, a lot of the commentaries that I was reading was saying that uh, divorcing Mary quietly was actually a very noble and very honorable thing to do for Joseph to do. And I, and I actually was thinking about it, tend, probably tend to agree with this perspective. And, and, I, and, and what Joseph's thinking, he's got to be thinking, is he goes, he's thinking, I'm not going to expose Mary to this kind of public shame. I'm not going to just say to everyone, kind of get on my soapbox that she cheated on me. It's time to stone her to death. He's not going to jump on his Facebook page 
rage and air his grievances for everyone to see and in the process of doing make Mary look bad. He, he, he actually really, probably really loves Mary and cares a lot about her and thinks, well, maybe she could just have this baby somewhere and hopefully start over. Uh, I'll start over. And then both of us separately will just move on down the road. And what Joseph is about to do is he's about to learn a really important life lesson for those of us who want to honor God. We have to learn this lesson too. Are you ready for it? Now, if you're taking notes on your, on your talk notes, um, this is a big one. The lesson that he's going to learn is that pleasing God often means disappointing people. He's going to learn the powerful truth that if you want to obey God, there will be many times when other people will not agree, they won't understand, that, and pleasing God means disappointing people. And so here's how the story goes down, kicking off in, in verses uh, 20 and 21. But after uh, Joseph had considered this, in other words, he's thinking, uh, here's the pros, here's the cons, and the cons uh, of staying with her outweigh the pros. So I'm going to break off the, uh, the relationship, move on down the road, continuing in verse 20. After he considered all this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, the King James Version says, fear not. The New Living Translation says, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, is, it is so powerful. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And the angel shows up. He says, David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She's going to give birth to a son. And you need to give him the name Jesus because he is going to save people from their sins. Man, at this moment, I, Joseph wakes up from the dream. And, and you have to imagine, man, in his life right now, the pendulum swings of emotions inside of his mind. I mean, my, my gosh, I, I, I can imagine him thinking, man, for centuries and centuries, it's been prophesied that a Messiah would come and, and here there's an angel of the Lord in my dream. And he told me that I'm going to be a part of the greatest event in human history. And then at the same time, as excited as the pendulum swings to the other side and, and he goes, oh my gosh, what, I mean, what are people going to think about us? What are people going to think about me? What are people going to think about my wife? What is this going to cost me? On one hand, I get to be a part of changing the world. On the other hand, I have no idea how difficult this road I'm about to walk down could, is going to be. And everyone else around me is saying, man, Joseph, run for your life. Don't marry this girl. Uh, she sinned against God and against you. She should be put to death. On the other hand, I want to please God. So the question that continues to run through Joseph's mind is, do I do what people want or do I do what God wants me to do? Man, have you ever, man, I, I have been there so many times. Man, do I do what's easy or do I do what's right? Do I do what people want me to do or do I ultimately do what God wants me to do? And I can promise you, man, if you are a follower of Jesus at different points in your life, you are going to be confronted with the opportunity to obey God, or do something easier to win the approval of people. And Joseph is going to learn these very important principles. And if you're taking notes, uh, why this matters so much, I want to give you a few of these principles. The first thing, and this is gigantic in our lives, and that is becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. 
Now let me say that again, let that sink in, write it down if you need to write it down, but becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget about what God thinks about you. And the reality is for most of us, we drift towards wanting to please people, don't we? I mean, we think, man, what do they think of me? What do you think of me? Do you, do you like me? Do I fit in? Do I, do I measure up to your standard of, of acceptability? Am I cool enough? Do you like what I'm doing? Can I be part of your club? Can we be friends? Do you think I'm doing the right thing? And suddenly, without even uh, thinking about it, we surrender our lives to the opinions of other people at the expense of actually living to please God. Now, how do we overcome that? Man, becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget about what God thinks about you. But man, here is some good news. And I believe, man, this is so powerful. The flip side of this is true as well. And you can write this down. Man, becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget about what people think about you. Man, living for an audience of one, saying, I want to please you, God, with all that I do is the quickest and best and perhaps the only way to grow past living simply for the approval of others, becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you. Man, think about the word obsession. Man, think about what that means. When you think of someone being obsessed with something, what comes to mind? Man, I know for me, when I think of somebody being uh, obsessed their entire life, wraps around this one thing. You know, uh, regrettably, we have some people, man, you may know some people, I've known some people who are addicted to drugs or alcohol or pornography and their entire life wraps around these things, man. And, And what we're saying is, man, we want our entire lives to be wrapped around, to be obsessed, to be, um, overwhelmed with, man, I want to be obsessed, God, with what you think about me. Because, man, I've, and I can tell you guys, I have lived so much of my life being wrapped up in seeking the approval of others. And, man, when those times come and when those times go and people come and people go, as I look back, man, I, I'm left feeling so alone because I have been so obsessed and my life has been wrapped around, man, what do people think about me? And all of a sudden I can realize, man, I have completely lost sight, God, of what you think about me. And so what I have to do and what we all have to do is we have to figure out a way to become obsessed with what God thinks about us. Because when we're simply obsessed with what God thinks about us, there is very little, if any, room to really bother our minds with what other people think about us. Now, here's the bottom line. Uh, when, you, when you really think about it, right, you can't please everyone. Like, I can't please everyone. You can't please everyone. And if we try to please people, we are going to fail at some point. Man, if you wear your hair one way, hey, what do you think about this? Yeah, you know, I like it. You're cool now. And another group says, no, that's not, that's not cool anymore. It actually, uh, you actually kind of look pretty ugly and it actually makes you look fat. And, 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 and you like that kind of music. Do I fit in now? Well, yes, you do. And no, you don't. And I believe this politically. Do I? Yes, I do. No, I don't. Well, maybe if I just stand in the middle and let me tell you, man, if you just stand in the middle, then everybody hates you, right? I mean, I mean whatever the case may be, because if you try to simply please one group, you will displease someone else. And the bottom line is, man, no matter how hard you try, you 
cannot please everyone. Now, for some people, that statement stresses you out. It worries you. And for some people, my hope is that it brings you freedom. Man, you can't please everyone, but the good news is that you can please God. You can please God. You can live a life where God looks at you and says, you did good. You did the right thing. You brought glory to my name. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But how do we overcome living for what everyone else thinks? Man, we surrender ourselves to living for an audience of one. Because becoming obsessed with what God thinks about us is the quickest way to become set free from what people think about us. And Joseph is going to have to get to that place in his life. The same place that each and every one of us is going to have to get to where he says, you know what? I value the opinion of God above the opinion of people. Now, how does this play out in our everyday lives? Man, what does this matter on Monday, And I want to give you two big thoughts to take with you this week and apply to your lives. The first one, if you're taking notes, and I really pray that this will speak to many of you. And it's so important because when you're living for God, not everyone's going to like it. Pleasing God often is being disappointing people, right? Number one, write this down. The first thought is, if you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. I know that's kind of heavy for a first point, Uh, but I'm going to say it again, that if you're not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you are not ready to be used by God. I mean, think about all the different ways that Mary and Joseph would be criticized. I mean, they would be publicly disgraced again and again and again every time they would go out together and every week and every month as Mary's belly would grow, they would grow in disgrace, in public disgrace. Man, every time they would go out together, they would face public disgrace. And I don't know how this is going to play out in your life, but there's going to come a time where when, men you read God's word, And God's word speaks to you. It speaks to your soul. And it tells you to do something that is culturally unpopular. And if you obey, you are going to be criticized. Um, So I'm uh, I'm kind of a podcast junkie. It's really, it's it's kind of a problem. Honestly, I'm I'm constantly trying to increase my knowledge and my comprehension and my understanding on, on really just about anything. Um, man, if, if, if it, if it gets me 10 cents off a, a drink at Caribou, man, I want to know about it. And one of the topics that I'm very passionate about learning more about and growing in is leadership. Uh, my desire is to be a great leader for myself, for my family, for my community, for this church, for our denomination. My desire is to be the best leader that I can be. I've got a, I've got a long way to go, uh, but I'm, tr- I'm trying to grow little by little uh, in that area of leadership. And in one of the leadership podcasts that I listened to, uh, one of the many, uh, I'm not sure if it was like Craig Rochelle or Andy Stanley, uh, but one of the guys said, um, the more you do, the more pain you'll experience. Now, I'm going to say it again. The more you do, the more pain you'll experience. Now, think about uh, that for a second. If you want to make a difference in this world, you will endure more pain than those who don't. If you want to live a life where nobody criticizes you, man, let me tell you what you can do. Do nothing. 
Stand for nothing. Have nothing. But man, for me, I've just made this decision in my mind, in my heart, that man, I would rather choose bullets. Man, go ahead, man, you can shoot at me. I would rather do something significant. I would rather stand for God and, 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 then, and have people shoot at me than, than simply do nothing at all. I mean, anything significant that you and I do will be met with criticism and resistance. If you are not ready to be criticized for your obedience to God, you are not ready to be used by God because becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget about what God thinks about you. But becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget what people think about you. Man, thought number one is this, man, if you are not ready to get shot at, you are not ready to be used. And thought number two, uh, I think for some people, this is going to be a moment of, of liberation and freedom for you. I pray that it is. But ex- thought number two is this, extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. Extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. I mean, think about this. The Savior of the world was born when two teenage kids said yes to God in a simple yet complex act of obedience. Now, what's crazy, uh, if you try and get into the mind once again of Mary and Joseph, what did the angel say? He said, you're going to have a boy. You're going to name him Jesus. He's going to save people. That's it. No details like uh, this is how you're supposed to raise him. Um, this is how you're supposed to discipline him. Um, I, I, can, I imagine them thinking, man, are we going to spank him? Or are we going to be a spanking family? Or are we going to be a timeout family? I mean, ultimately, I, you know, I think about maybe they were, th- I, mean, I mean, really, we, we're dealing with the son of God here. So maybe he's going to put us, his parents, <laughs> in timeout, right? I mean, we're dealing with the son of God. He's perfect. We're probably going to be put into timeout more than, than he's going to put us, uh, that we're going to put him, sorry, in timeout. There's no details here about how they're supposed to raise him. I mean, ultimately, man, this thing is crazy. This endeavor that God is calling these two teenage kids to is absolutely insane. And I think that there are times when God would say, you know, to us, man, I, I, I want you to do this thing. Man, if, if, if you could just fill in the blank, man, what is God calling you to do right now? I think for so many people right now, uh, God's calling you to do something and you're trying to push it into a corner. You're trying to, 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 to fill your life with so many other things that there won't be time or there won't be space to do that thing that God has called you to do. But if, but if I could just like maybe say like, man, God has called me to do and I could just leave the, the, the line open, man, what would you fill that line in with? Man, what is God calling you to? do. And and oftentimes when God calls me to do something, this is just me, uh, this may not be anybody else, um, but but man, there are times when God will call me to something. And what my first request is, okay, God, yes, but I need you to show me the details first. I need you to show me all the details. I need to sh- I need you to show me how it's going to end. And I need you to show me all the things in the middle. And, and God, I think, would often be like, man, Steve, here's the deal. You could not handle the details. Man, you could not handle the details if I showed you everything that was going to take place between now and the end. Man, you would not even take the first step. And Mary and Joseph, they don't know the details. And this is what I embrace so often. What I try to embrace so often is that we don't have to understand. I don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. 
We don't have to see the whole picture to put the first puzzle piece in place. We don't have to see the end of the road before we take the first step because uh, going back to last week's message, man, the outcome is whose responsibility? The outcome is God's responsibility. What's your and my responsibility? Our responsibility is obedience. Outcome is God's responsibility and obedience is ours. Extraordinary acts of faith, uh, sorry, extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. And this is so encouraging to me. Man, you and I, man, we have no idea what might get set into motion with one simple obedient act towards God. You have no idea what you might set into motion when you simply obey what God puts on your heart to do. You have no idea what you will set into motion with your life when you do what God calls you to do. Extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. And so the angel speaks to Joseph and he says, fear not, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is in her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. You will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. And now Joseph's got a choice to make, right? I mean, does he do what's easy or does he do what's right? Does he do what people would want him to do or does he do what God would want him to do? Because, man, remember, becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. But becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to let go of what people think about you. So in one little verse, man, super important, super powerful verse. In one verse, we see his decision. And what's so encouraging to me about this one little verse is that God, I believe, is going to prompt many of you to do something through his word or by his spirit. And one sent, and if one sentence could summarize your response, I pray that it would be the same response as Joseph's. Here was Joseph's response in verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He did what the angel had commanded him. And through that simple act of obedience, the greatest act of God in human history was brought to fulfillment. And you have no idea what you set into motion with a single act of obedience to God, guys. So when God speaks to you, you wrestle with it. What's easy? What's right? What will people think? What does God think? And if there could be one sentence that is a destiny-altering sentence, and you did what the Lord prompted you to do, I promise you have no idea what one single act of obedience can set into motion when you obey what God puts in your heart. Let's pray.